Oh, hey, 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 hey. What a series of misadventures we've had today. That's fine, you know, it's good. Yeah, I mean, in a way, this is the best case for re-recording because I allowed myself to fully Shabbat, and so I forgot that we were re-recording, so it's like the freshest I could possibly be, really. Yeah, we're re-recording. Yes, we recorded almost the entire episode earlier today and then looked down and it hadn't been recording the whole time. Yep. So yep. that was a lot. Michael. Yes. Hi, how are you? How how have you spent your day? Oh, I slept a lot and was mopey for a large oh, amount of it. Baby Angel. I know, I know. But then we got mediocre Thai food. And mm. I started watching Gilmore Girls, so everything's fine. Uh, I can't deal with Gilmore Girls. What's wrong with Gilmore Girls? Everyone except for Luke is awful. I don't know who Luke is yet. Oh, okay. Just give it time. Gilmore Girls is one of those things that it's like, I have spent many hours watching it, and I can't resist it, and also I hate it. You know? It's because you hate the fact that you like it? Is that what's happening? No, it doesn't feel like it's about hating the fact that I like it. It's like, the more I watch it, the less I want to watch it. But it's still, I don't know, I can't explain it. I rarely ever make it all the way through a rewatch. I like get to the point where I forget about my problems with the characters, and then I start rewatching it, and then I get about three seasons in, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, this is why I always run out of steam. Okay, interesting. Well, I'm curious to see what happens then, but yeah, I figured it was time for me to see what the deal was. Yeah, there's a lot to love. The problem is really I want to save the characters from themselves, and I can't because they don't exist. So far, it's nice. It's kind of giving me that vibe a little bit that the Good Witch gave me when I tried watching mm-hmm. that, but you right. know, wittier yeah. and less like, you know, overtly conservative Hallmarky. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that was my day pretty much, and... It's been good, I guess. How are you, Hava? How are you? Baruch Hashem. I've spent my day, since our failed recording, I spent my day rewatching New Girl. No, no. Doesn't do it for me. That's how I felt for a long time, but it won me over. I was just talking to Grunge Girl about New Girl an hour ago. Yeah. And she said, it's not about Zoe Deschanel, it's about Nick. I know. I, I I resisted it specifically because Zoe Deschanel, and now I watch it in spite of her. I mean, I've seen it all the way through a couple times, so obviously it's made it onto my comfort watching list. And also playing this very silly game called Outriders that's just like a shooting things game. It's like you're on an alien planet and a space-time anomaly has granted you superpowers, you know. That kind of bullshit. That's cool. Oh, wait, have you heard, have you tried out the new cat game, The Stray? Oh, Stray? No, I've thought about it. It's on my list of things to maybe play sometime. All right. Okay, cool. I was just curious. I figured it would be up your alley. The world, the video game world is a buzz about it. Yep, yeah. I can't believe someone didn't think of it before. I know. It's perfect I know. It's a great idea. It's right up there with Untitled Goose Game. What? What's that? Untitled Goose Game is a game where you play as a goose and you cause trouble. That's it. That's the whole premise. Uh, I love it. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's a classic. That is my Telos right there. <laughs> yeah, you should give it a try sometime. Okay. So we're here, ostensibly, to try once again today yes. to discuss Russian Doll Season 1, Episode 4 which is the introduction of Alan. Yes, yes. Who... We all know and love. Very much a, a Chava type Oh, guy. totally. Yeah. 
little muscle bound. Yes. Looks like he has lockjaw. Mm-hmm. Very handsome. Dependable. Dependable. That's what I'm all about these days. Super dependable. Actually, his type of neuroses are exactly what you want in a man. It's it's so exactly. Spot on. I choose my men based on their neuroses. And I think your boyfriend he exists to please. You know. Yeah, he has he has his own motivations as well. He's a f- full human being. No, I know he's a full human being, but you know. But he is very dedicated to me, and that's one of the many wonderful things about him. Yes. Yeah, so I guess the basic summary is: in the prior episode, Natasha Leone meets Alan in the elevator. They both die, and she realizes that there's this other guy in the loop with her and so this episode follows a couple of his loops i think three of his loops right and we start out with his loops and he's taken a very different approach than nadia which is that he has really sort of like buckled down and learned the rhythm of this whole situation so he has everything just like predicted out perfectly and he's reliving the day when his girlfriend who was gonna propose to broke up with him instead and every day it seems like he sort of tries to like get one level of like i don't know like being cooler in that situation he's like okay this time in the loop i'm gonna like really say what i wanted to say he's like really trying to take control of his situation via the death loop but he inevitably freaks out it seems like he uh he he freaks out a lot yes yes and then he meets nadia on the elevator we see it from the other side of the perspective and after he meets nadia everything gets thrown off his whole routine is thrown off by just a little bit his morning routine doesn't quite work out the same way he goes to see his girlfriend and discovers that she's been cheating on him with the same shitty dude that nadia was fucking yep yep who's like the truly the worst and he goes to see his mom and tries to tell his mom about the whole situation but he can't bring himself to like disappoint her so he ends up just lying about it nadia tries to get him to join in on on leaving the loop yeah yeah, and he's like no i'm not gonna leave the loop the loop is predictable everything it's all good in the loop but a bunch of stuff changes he throws away the wedding ring and gets electrocuted and then when he wakes up the wedding ring is gone and his fish is gone and things have started changing because of his encounter with nadia yes yes i would say that is a fair summary yeah so i loved this episode you know i always think of this show reasonably so because it's branded this way as a natasha leone vehicle Mm -hmm. as it being all about nadia but it really wouldn't work without alan it's really a duo piece that like would not be as entertaining without him to counterbalance her. I think that's true. It would have been boring for us to just keep going and only see Nadia. And I think Alan is a very refreshing and an interesting take, I think, on the same problem that Nadia has. Right, right, which is self-centeredness. Yes, yes, yes. Nadia is self-centered in like a classic kind of more easy-to-understand way. And then Alan is, I feel like he's self-centered in that he needs to control everything. Right, and he tries to fix everyone's problems, but not for the sake of the other people, but for the sake of his own sort of, like, comfort and control. Right, and maybe he can be forgiven for getting angry at his girlfriend of nine years for dumping him, but the fact that he gets really angry, especially considering he's been through this loop, it's implied at least ten times, and he's still getting angry at his girlfriend for breaking up. Right. So, yeah, there's issues there. And I feel like this... The show signals in a really, I guess I don't know if this is intentional, but the fact that he waits inside his building 
for the old man to come through so he can hold the door. He's like trapped inside his box by his own quote unquote kindness. And Nadia, as we talked about in episode three, is sort of gets her first step out of the box by choosing to be kind to the homeless guy. So they're really like puzzle piece characters. Yeah, there's a lot of weird similarities and complementary differences. One of the things that really struck me was part of his loop was hanging out with his friend in the park and telling Mm -hmm. him about... Right, who's the guy who runs the bodega by Nadia's house. Right. The friend, during one of the loops, or after he's encountered Nadia, the friend opens up a little bit more. Something different happens, and the friend reveals that the friend's girlfriend cheated on him early on in their relationship, and they had to go to couples counseling. Alan's reaction was like, I'm not interested, and I want to solve these problems by myself. And the friend says, Mm -hmm. like, no one does anything by themselves. Right. It reminds me a little bit of the scene that we had when Nadia was asking for a prayer from from Shifra. Mm -hmm. You know, Nadia gave in, but they're both struggling with the fact that they don't have control over their life. Right. And they each sort of have one person who's allowed into their real self. For for Alan, it's his friend. And for Nadia, it's Ruth, her sort of adoptive mother. One thing I really noticed that I really liked in this episode that applies to the whole series is just I really appreciate that this series is not sci-fi or fantasy per se like the rules of the fantastical thing that are that is happening to these people is like very allegorical in a way that I appreciate it's just like if you choose if you choose to do one thing different you know then like I don't know. I What am I trying to say? Like, Are, are you trying to say, like, uh, I, I feel like the last, I don't know, 15 years or so of media, there's been a lot of really good convincing new universes of fantasy built and also sequels of previously really well-constructed complex universes of fantasy built. And there's something refreshing about, like, a fantastical story that isn't based in, like, a whole universe it's just yeah there are no no explicit rules to the fantasticness like it's not sci-fi or fantasy magic and also i guess part of it is that like i feel like a lot of media for most of the time that you and i have been alive is not interested in like overt symbology but much more interested in like telling a tale that maybe you can draw some meanings from but this one is just like this coin represents her mom, you know, like it's it's much it feels like of a different style in its approach to symbols than other media that's come out in our life. I feel like it's not afraid to be both obvious and like to have a clear opinion about what its character should and shouldn't do. I think a lot of especially TV is not as bold in making its points as this show is. Most TV prefers to make its points through narrative, whereas this show, I feel like, explicitly just makes its points right there on the screen. I don't know. If you know what I'm saying, then you understand. (laughs) And if you don't, then I don't know. I guess I'm just rambling. Uh, Maybe you're right. Like, it's, it's not being very cool. Yeah. And yet it is also incredibly cool. Yeah, it's cool. So as always, I brought some texts to accompany this little Russian doll experience. And the first one is from Pesachim 113b, where we read, Tanu Rabbanan shlosha chayehen enam chayim harachamanin wa haratachanin wa enei hadaat wa ma'rav Yosef kulhu itanhu bi. 
So the sage just said, there's three kinds of people whose lives are not lives. Oh. And the translation here interpolates due to their constant suffering, which I'm sure is coming from commentary, but we can make our own decisions about that. The compassionate, the hot-tempered, and the delicate. <gasps> oh. Rav Yosef said, all these attributes are found in me. Oh, wow. Wow. I know, right? Whoa. This felt like it was really just like talking about our characters, <laughs> about Alan and Nadia very directly. Yes, yes. But then with then this like very like, um, you know, diva, queeny, offhand, self-effacing, humble brag kind of thing at the end, which right. I kind of like. Right. I mean, this is the Talmudic, like, I'm a bitch, I'm a lover, I'm a child, I'm a mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The language of this text is so interesting. Whose lives are not lives feels so, like, right out of Russian doll, mm -hmm. right? Like, mm -hmm. I feel like our characters' lives are not lives. Will you check and make sure we're recording right now? Oh, yeah, we're totally recording. Okay. I just had to. I just had to. That's fine. That's fine. You know, like, Alan and Nadia's lives are not lives. Alan is like not living his life because he's trying to control it. And Nadia is not living her life because she's absent from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So tell me about these three. What are your takes about these three characteristics? The compassionate? What was it? The hot tempered and the like the, the delicate, the delicate. Yeah, I don't know what to make of this really, because like two of these feel like there's an alternative, right? Like, to be hot-tempered or to be delicate are both sort of like, the opposite would be like to be patient or to be, I don't know, like hardy, you know? Mm -hmm. And whether or not we're hardy is sometimes out of our control, but to be patient is like something we can have some control over. On the other hand, to be compassionate, I feel like that's, the Talmud wants us to be compassionate, you know? Okay, well, in the context of thinking about Alan and then you reading this sugya, I hear compassionate and I think like overbearing, like they're not living their own life because they're like too involved in other people's and trying to manage other people's. It reminds me of a little bit of experience going to Al-Anon meetings, you know, family and mm -hmm. friends of alcoholics, and they talk about that aspect. Mm -hmm. You need to take time for yourself. I don't know. That's kind of the read I instantly got from it. It's a non-genuine compassion. It's a compassion that comes from trying to like escape taking care of yourself. Yeah, the reason I wasn't thinking that is because the word they're using to describe compassion here, rachamanin, comes from the same verb for compassion that is a name of God, rachamana, meaning like the compassionate one. So, like, this specific oh. verb of compassion is, like, a divine virtue unto itself. What? Yeah. Okay, I mean, hot-headed I can understand. And then even right. being sensitive, like, you don't want to be walked all over. You could go. Right. So, what is, so, what do you think is going on with this compassion? <sighs> I mean, I guess there's a sense in which if you imagine some kind of platonic ideal being who was 100% dedicated to compassion... They might not be able to have a life for themselves. I don't know. I just, I feel like maybe it's about like having a, I don't know. I just, I keep getting drawn back to this idea that their lives are not lives. And I'm just wondering what the rabbis are thinking when they say that. Like, do they want our lives to be lives? You know, is this a, an out and out negative or is this just sort of something they accept? Like, to some extent, all of our lives aren't lives. <laughs> You know, or like parts of our lives aren't lives. Oh, 
yeah, it's like on the one you could you could read it and be like, oh, this is very Ayn Rand. Mm-hmm. This is very right, weak. like don't be compassionate. You just yeah. have to focus on yourself so you can have a life. Very Nietzschean. You you are like weak and pathetic, and like the only mm-hmm. thing that exists is you seizing power and whatever. Or you could say like life is an illusion. And mm-hmm. so you really don't want to be the sort of person that quote, like has a life, quote unquote. You want to exist outside yeah. of that. And the way you do that is through, you know, your loving kindness and compassion. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But then the other two don't fit. <sighs> it's a mess. Yeah. I mean, I think part of what's interesting about this sugya is it's touching on like how all sort of peak emotional experiences, whether they're ones of anger, sensitiveness, or like compassion sort of like tap into a similar thing in that they take us out of ourselves to some extent or i don't know they they're they're overruling sensations like part of what i think is interesting about this sugya is it's saying like there is a common quality between these three things that we may not usually associate with each other okay so the parallel you're drawing is that there's a common quality between these things just like there's common qualities between alan and um and natasha leone's character yeah, I mean, the the parallel I'm drawing is just like, I felt like Rav Yosef saying all these things are found in me, like that just felt very true of the characters of our show. And whether that's good or bad, it just felt like this Sugya was like written about Nadia and Alan, like their lives are not lives because of these qualities. And that's just cool, I guess, that the Talmud was like speaking to this experience. The other text that I brought is much more... I don't know, not not silly, but I just brought this text because I was really thinking about how much of a pair these two are and how much I really love this sugya about a pair, a teacher and a learner. So this is from Avodurabinatan 1. Ma'ashe she'ara b'rabi Yoshia w'rabi Matya ben Cheresh she'hayu shneim yoshvim w'asukin b'divrei Torah prish rabi Yoshia l'derech Eretz אמר לרבי מתיה בן חרש, רבי, מה לך לעזוב דברי עליהם חיים ולשוף בדרך ארץ? ואמרו כל זמן שיושבין ועסוקין בתורה היו מקנאין זה לזה וכשנפטרין תאומין כשהן אוהבים מנעהורים. So, once upon a time, רבי יושיה ורבי מתיה בן חרש were sitting and engaging in words of Torah. רבי יושיה got up to go to leave, literally to go to the way of the world, like to go work for money. Mm-hmm. Rabbi Matya ben Cherish said, how can you abandon the words of the living God and immerse yourself in the way of the world? Even though you are my rabbi and I am your student, I still am obligated to say that it's not good to abandon the words of the living God and immerse yourself in the ways of the world. So it was said about them, whenever they would sit and engage in Torah, they would zealously argue with one another. But when they parted, they did so as if they were young lovers. (gasps) (laughs) I know, twist. So basically, this story is just about, we start out with a little parable about Rebbe Yoshia and Rebbe Matya ben Cheresh and how Matya ben Cheresh feels bold enough to even rebuke his own rabbi for getting up from Torah to go to work. And then we get this sort of sentence about these two's reputation. And the reputation was... They would argue with one another, like, incredibly ferociously, but then when they got up to leave, they were like young lovers parting, like they oh. didn't want to let go of each other. Oh, 
Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, I think the first point, you got to make money. I'm sorry. Not everyone has a trust <laughs> right. fund. I don't know what that was about. Was that just an example of him provoking him? Yeah. I mean, I think on one hand, it was just an example. And I think on the other hand, it was like, there's a certain perspective from which you could see someone saying like, you should study Torah until you like reach your natural conclusion. Like I'm imagining, you know, Rabbi Yoshia like looked up at the fucking sundial or whatever and was like, oh shit. I got to go harvest the barley. Mm-hmm. And Rebbe Matya ben Cheresh was like, you can't just get, we're in the middle of Torah. <laughs> like you can't just get up, you know? And there's, there's a certain point of view that like, you should give precedence to finishing the matter of Torah that you're engaged with because it's disrespectful to the Torah oh. to go leave it for something oh. as coarse as the way of the world. Oh. But really, I i mean, the thing that's the most tasty is that when they parted, they were like young lovers. I just brought this because I think it's a really fun description of two rabbis in the Talmud and because I think it's another angle on the Alan and, and Nadia dynamic. Even already so far in the show, I think we can see like, I don't necessarily see a romantic connection between them, but they still are like inextricably bound up in this thing together and also very confrontational with each other. Oh, yeah, yeah. I I think this is a classic confrontational girl guy dynamic that precedes romance in many a rom-com. Yes, I will have to see if it does in this case. The main thing I'm taking from the sookie you just read is the relationship, the intimate intertwining of confrontation and romance. Yeah, I mean, I think if anything, the theme of the sugyas I'm bringing this week for this episode is just like these qualities of human experience that feel unchanged from the rabbi's time to today that are exemplified both by Russian doll and by these two sugyas. Like these facets of human experience are just so recognizable. Like even with the thousands of years of gulf in between them, it makes me feel like Russian doll, you know, maybe part of what I like about it is that it has a, a very um, fabulous quality, literally in that it's like a fable. Mm. You know, I feel like it could be right in the Talmud. Like once upon a time there was Rebbe Nadia, And every time, you know, she would die, she would be resurrected again the next day. And she said, merciful one, like, why, why are you doing this to me? You know, like, it just feels like. And one time she was like walking through a barley field and came across a goat with like a wedding ring in its mouth. And (laughs) exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that that's part of what I was saying about the symbology of it. It's just I appreciate that sensibility that it has about it. And that's part of what I think makes it. So easy to find parallels in the Talmud. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not being very original with my takes except for being like, yeah. That's okay. It's fucking, yeah. We can't always come up with a new take. In fact, if anything, these texts prove that there are no new takes to be had. It can be as hot as you like. The hottest take in the world. And it might still be old. Um, Great. I don't know. That's it. You know, human beings are unchanged since time immemorial and also ever changing. Yeah. Deal with it, people. <laughs> they are, I'm sure. Uh, it's unavoidable. Uh, I hope you all have enjoyed this dive into Russian Doll. I hope you're watching Russian Doll along with us. I wonder if people, if you are watching along with us, do you listen to the episode before or after the Russian Doll episode? Either way, a couple people have texted me and let me know that we got them into Russian Doll. So 
if nothing else, we've accomplished that. I hope you have enjoyed these salacious sexts from the Talmud, and we will cook up something else juicy for you next week. Probably a listener question. I'm feeling yes. the vibe of a listener question. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, yep. We got a call that just came in. Oh, great. Perfect. Hot. Yep, yep. Well, beloved listeners, y'all are the best, and we will talk to you soon. Shavuot Tov. Shavuot Tov. Shavuot Tov.